Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. And welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast. That was a Victor Anthony with It's Christmas Time Again. Hi, Greg and Carl. How are you? Hello. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Well, this is the beginning of our Christmas season, right? Right. It right, is. Right. It's Christmas time again. Um, that's uh, near and dear to my heart. It was a uh, a song I actually, a rare foray into writing for me. Uh, I traveled with Victor. You, you, you wrote that? Yeah. Uh, Victor Macesney and myself. Victor later changed his name to Victor Anthony several years after we made the recording. He made that recording for a company that I owned with Gary Burke. We wrote that on the airplane on the way to Rhinebeck, New York to uh, record it. And um, it's uh, it, it's near and dear to me. It actually got a couple sinks. It Isn't was the most known one, the um, snow the two, snow maybe. two brain, brain, the freeze. brain freeze. Yeah. Have you have you have you watched it yet? I did because I love Hallmark movies. Snow two brain freeze. Uh, it was the sequel to Snow, the motion picture. Nicole, I'm curious. Did you hear it? Did you hear the track? It was on like a jukebox in one of yeah. the yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. My little foray into uh, into Christmas music. You know, I always say. I absolutely, positively 
adore Christmas music and I listen to it 24-7. But here's the problem. I always say it is the hardest thing in the world to make a good Christmas record. I think it's the hardest thing in the world. Not many people have been able to do it, you know? Christmas albums are, they're great in context, right? So, you know, they were, most of them were made in the 40s and 50s, and you get 50 years of context, and you get 50 annualized listening. What is that again? Annualized listening? (laughs) Right. You listen to them every year, right? I I just think that, I I think it's, um, I think it's really difficult to make a great Christmas record. We did our best. It's a fun little thing, but. There was always a mistake in it. It always drove me straight up a wall, and I didn't catch it when we were when we were cutting the vocal. But the line is Bing's on the on the Philco singing about the Holiday Inn, and Victor sang Bing's on the Wilco W I L C O. <laughs> Philco was the radio. Wilco was whatever. I don't know what they were, but uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So that, that bothered me. Victor, well, good, good for has, you, uh, he's, he's uh, the late Victor Anthony. Um, okay. uh, he died uh, a few years back and he was a wonderful, wonderful artist and talent. And I highly recommend that you go check out his solo work. He made, he's made some amazing records back in the eighties and nineties. And we'll make so, sure to link all of that for you, too. Yeah, Victor Anthony, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Miss Essany as well. That's my contribution to well, the spirit of the season. So before mm-hmm. we get to the rebuttal, as I guess we're going to be calling it. On Get Back, on Get Back, yeah. Them Beatles. But I will say, though, Greg, I don't know if it's just because I'm listening to more music nowadays, but I feel mm-hmm. like this year I have heard more original Christmas songs come out than I have in years past. Probably true. I mean, uh, there's just a glut of stuff being made right now, you know, and so it makes sense that there aren't as many gatekeepers. There used to be a ton of gatekeepers on making Christmas product because you had this limited window that you could A, record it, B, get it in the stores, and people could only buy it and were only interested in buying it for 30 days. Probably it's about young people are sick of hearing Drummer Boy and, you know, Deck the Halls. No, I wouldn't say that. Those are like classic staples. You always have to listen to those. But I'm introducing Kenzie to those now and she loves them. Mine is, is is a Lennon's Christmas song. I think out of all the rock stars, he wrote the coolest one because he even says like, and so this is Christmas and what have you done? Yeah. Like he right away makes it into like, you know, what are you doing? You know, like. Yeah, there's kind of that epiphany that, you know, it's like we're kind of. Uh, I do like that Mar- Mariah Carey one, though. Oh, the vo- uh, the overly produced stop. one. Stop. Do you really? It's great. It's, well, it's perfectly. It's as good as White Christmas. And well, you know what? I'm a sappy. White I, Christmas I love, is amazing. I, I love sappy um, yeah. movies. Yeah. And, and, and I fight with people, but I love the movie Love Actually. Oh, it is such a good movie. I've got to check it out. I've not seen it. You've never seen it? No. My husband and I actually walked into our wedding um, with the song that Hugh Grant uh, dances around his house to for that movie. Right. And and that's all about Christmas and Christmas Mm -hmm. songs. And and I, and I, I... so I love. Um, well, it's something I'm going to have to check into if there's yeah, a, a bunch of Christmas a, songs. No, it's, think, it's all Christmas. Like it is wow. such a good movie. Better than Brain Freeze. Oh, I mean, much better than Brain second. Freeze. Yeah. 
<laughs> he does a um a take on like the, the trogs. Love is all around, but yeah. he remakes as a Christmas song and his old guy. It's really kind of cool. Ah, that's so, great. When was this made in the nineties? No, two thousand and two, maybe something like that. Oh, okay. maybe, it's, maybe it's twenty years old now. But it has everybody: Colin Firth, Colin yeah. Firth, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant, uh, all, all these English dudes. You know, Kira Knightley. Those uh, those brat, the two thousands brat pack guys. Yeah, and then it has my friends Tony Asher's. Uh, God only knows is the end of it, you know. Let's let's do the rebuttal rebuttal. Yeah, the rebuttal. The rebuttal re- rebuttal. I love that. <laughs> I threw down the gauntlet last week about what I thought about it, and you guys now have since seen it. Nicole, you tell me what you thought. So I saw some of it. I didn't get to watch all of it just because mm-hmm. Kenzie is not into it. So I have to right. <laughs> watch it when she's not around. I actually have to agree with Carl. Not that like they didn't make great music and they aren't these like great musicians, but seeing that, I just was like, I feel like these are just entitled people I'm watching right now, like just kind of doing their thing. Like to me, it wasn't what the Beatles actually were. Like I wasn't impressed by it for at least what hmm. I saw. That's interesting. I had the I had the exact opposite um, uh, reaction and. You know, I have lived and under the veil. And you're not a super Beatles fan. Right. That's what I'm saying. I have lived under the veil of my best friends being, like, obsessed with the Beatles for 40, 50 years. I have never really been that big a fan, but yet I enjoyed watching it. And as a document, you know, I, I get how people might be bored by it. But there were a couple things that I saw that uh, that were 180 degrees the opposite of what I thought they were. For example, I had always heard that, you know, around this time, Lennon had started to check out creatively. I didn't see that in that film at all. I thought he was super engaged, you know. And the other thing that I loved seeing is I I think I liked him more than I thought I would because he's got such a... Such a dry sense of humor. Julian Lennon said he fell in love with his father again after watching it. What what I enjoyed seeing was the relationship between uh, Lennon and McCartney. I think that every time they're working together and their eyes lock or they're looking at one another's hands on the instruments or every time they're engaged, I think McCartney is in awe of Lennon. And And people complained about how he's... He's like the taskmaster and he's like the guy that let's keep working and, you know, you're not engaged here. I saw the exact opposite. I thought he was super keyed on Lennon and I thought Lennon was responsive. I you know? thought, well, I thought like, you know, McCartney was the den mother and, and yeah. Lennon and Lennon like didn't really, he allowed him to be, he didn't want to, he didn't want the position, but you're right. But whenever Lennon decided they like to, one another, you whenever can tell Lennon, they're just connected. Whenever Lennon decided to flex his muscle though, yeah. you could tell he was in charge. Yeah. 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 You know, no you know, question. Which, which I got. And the other thing that I didn't expect to get, but I, I, I really kind of had a hard time after George leaves he seemed to cause a lot of the problems as far as I was concerned on what I saw. Basically what George's problem was, he was just um, tired of like, you know, not getting, be able to write songs for the band. Because and you can see these guys dismissing, they dismiss every idea. Yeah. Towards the end, his songs were great, man. My Guitar Gently Weeps were yeah. every something, Here Comes the Sun. They were like, I just too. think technically they probably had musical ideas that he couldn't pull off. You know, I mean, I, it doesn't come across well, as a great you read, player. You, you read like the book. There's a couple of good books. One is is called um, 
All You Need Is Ears by George Martin. And he talks about the Beatles. But then there's another one called Here, There, and Everywhere, written by Jeff Emmerich, who was the um, the engineer who yeah. did all those records, you know, up until, you know, he didn't do that one, but up until like Abbey Road he did and then everything prior to Let It Be. Anyway, and he writes, and in the book he he he, he thinks McCartney's amazing. He thinks Lennon was lazy. And he thought, and he, and he basically says it, and he says that George was just like the worst guitar player. He's like inept, yeah. Like, I, have to, I have to do everything over and over and over again, never get it right. You know, like, yeah. you know, so it's like, it's funny how he writes about them. So I don't know. I thought he was kind of lost in a lot of places, you know, when they were when they were really digging in. Now, on the other hand, I mean, Ringo, man, I mean, how cool is Ringo in this thing? I mean, he's just, he was just, he's he stayed... Ringo, the staid pro, you know, I mean, he was like, just, he was always going to be there when you, now I know why his left hand seems so simple, uh, on all those tracks. And, you know, he hits so simply, uh, because he's got a damn towel over the snare drum. There's no, there's no bounce back on the snare head whatsoever. He's, yeah, he had a the, towel. That was over the damper for sound back then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> crazy but i enjoyed it man i thought it was it gave me a whole new uh kind of perspective of that lennon mccartney thing and i i think i came out feeling like both of them are in fact the songwriting geniuses that they've been well you know it's something funny today. too i heard you know I, I thought it was a bit long you know there was three of them and each one was yeah. about two and a half to two and two and forty five so almost like almost like eight hours or nine hours of, of this was supposedly there's a director's yeah. cut coming that's 16 hours <laughs> oh my like, word like eight more hours of it. how much more can we see yeah well you know? there was kind of some fun jamming in it you know i mean i don't know so. I think, anyway but but again like the bottom line it's the beatles so what it's what they yeah. are they're still who they are anyway that's that so what else anything else to talk about we're currently curating some uh contemporary christmas music which is hard to find but we actually have one from one of, this week. one of my favorite artists, Paul Lauren, uh, who we featured, I think, about two or three times oh, now. Oh, I love Paul Lauren. Yeah, he came out with a Christmas song called A Brighter Year. So we are we got permission to play it in this episode. So we're going to listen to that now. And we asked him some questions about uh, his holiday season. Shout out to Paul. Merry uh, Christmas, before Paul. Before the we cool have a word from... Uh, well, we have a word from uh, about his management company. So Paul is managed right. by a company up in New York called Lakeside Management. So we're going to hear a little bit about them, and then we'll hear Paul's single, A Brighter Year. In this podcast episode, we feature an artist from the Lakeside Entertainment Group. The Lakeside Entertainment Group takes an innovative, entrepreneurial approach to developing, managing, and breaking artists. With over 20 years of both independent and major label experience, their staff has broken a wide range of artists across multiple formats and platforms and has generated sales of over $100 million worldwide. By providing in-house label services that include radio promotion, marketing, digital media, touring, merchandising, and brand partnerships, Lakeside is able to compete at the highest level and provide unique opportunities to advance the careers and profiles of their clients. To learn more, go to lakesideentertainmentgroup.com. Again, that is lakesideentertainmentgroup.com.
Talk about Beatlesque. I know. Yeah, man. It's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's one thing to write a Christmas song that's entertaining. You write a New Year's song, you've hit the lottery. He definitely is, captures that. Um, I feel like I listened to that, like, you know, what is that, you know, that thing you do band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, exactly. like, you know, the wonders. You got that whole thing, the wonders, yeah. Yeah, bravo, It just felt like a bright, bright, sunshiny, cold winter's day. You know, it was a really cool track. I actually, if cool like, track. if this song came out 20 years ago, I could see it getting synced up in Love Actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, yeah, I like him. He, he, he's a, he's a, but what is this, what is this positive stuff? I don't like this positive stuff. In our, our, <laughs> we can't be, we can't be promoting positive stuff here. Why can't we this? be promoting positive? Why did we not? ask him questions of the week? We, we did ask him questions of the week. <laughs> 
<laughs> Is this Christmas edition? What are the questions? There you go. What did we ask Paul? So we asked Paul a couple questions around the holidays. So the first question that we asked him is, what is your favorite holiday memory? Some of my most fond holiday memories were the times I spent as a kid at my grandma's house. Um, usually the family and I would head over there on Christmas Eve and we'd start with a meal and we, then we'd dig into some presents. And I even wrote a song about this. It's called Grandma's House. It's on my holiday record called Holiday Cheers. Um, and it is such a visceral and evocative place in time for me. I could smell her cooking and the way the house kind of felt and sounded. All of these memories and sense memories are still with me to this day. Um, I'll never forget. Grandma's house. Yeah. We all have grandma's house. We do. We, I, I have so many memories. Even now, my, my grandparents, my mother's side. We call <laughs> now them. I am grandma's house. <laughs> <laughs> you are grandma's house, but my uh, grandparents on my mother's side are still alive. And I remember like going over there all the time for Christmas and what that smelled like and all of the memories. So I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I think I've, I don't know if I've ever said this before, but I love my mother dearly. She's gone now. But she was the, and she'll leave in a minute. She was the worst present receiver. <laughs> and, and no matter what you got her, the first thing out of her mouth, you'd see the face, she'd open it up. No matter what you bought her, right? She'd always, as she's opening, she goes to my sister or to me, you kept the receipt, right? <laughs> Like before that's, she even knows what it unbelievable. is. Unbelievable. That, so that's unbelievable. my that's my twin. Like if you veered off of her list at all and got her something that you thought she would really like, it would be, well, this wasn't on my list. Or you could oh tell from goodness. the face of like, this will be returned immediately. No graciousness at all, man. <laughs> that, that is bizarre. Yeah. That's, uh, I, it, it's funny. But she I, loved giving I, gifts too. So it was weird. I lapsed in several years ago. I don't know what it, when it was a period of time we didn't have as much money as we wanted or what, but I wanted people to know the uh, degree to which, you know, we went to, uh, you know, the money we spent to provide them with good gifts. So I would start blurting out what things cost, you know, as they were being (laughs) opened. And my kids to this day, they, they tease me about it. It's like, you know, I'll yell out, you know, seventy nine ninety five. Well, you know, you know those yeah. little like those little tags you put two two from Santa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you right. put two. What's his name and the price? <laughs> what I paid for that son of a right. Yeah, Santa, my ass. Dad paid for this. <laughs> exactly. So what else did we ask Paul? So we asked him what was one present that you wanted but never actually received. Yeah, that actually never happened. I. I... <laughs> I was really lucky as a kid. I, My mom was so generous. My parents were the best. And I remember one year asking for the Ghostbusters firehouse. Okay, imagine this. So it's like 1990 and there's this plastic firehouse, the headquarters of the Ghostbusters. And it was this kind of sought after gift of the time for all of us Ghostbusters fans. And I asked for it and received it. I mean, received it. I mean, other kids were in tears. How lucky was I as a kid? Totally privileged to get this firehouse. And I, these days, I actually don't ask for any gift from my, from my parents. They, they've done their job. They've done enough, uh, you know, long ago. 
So uh, I'm truly lucky. And when I think back on those years and, and my childhood and those Christmases, man, what a time. That's interesting because uh, as we speak, as this episode drops, uh, a Ghostbusters hashtag will be welcomed because it's, they're still relevant. There's a new motion picture out there. And, right. You know, well, that's the a- problem. See, right, right off the back, it's see why Paul is so positive. He seemed to get a well-balanced upbringing. <laughs> right. I hate this guy. I hate this guy. <laughs> I remember one Christmas, I remember I, I sent away for a log cabin, right? It was on the back of a comic book. I wanted this log cabin for Christmas. Like mother, Lincoln Log type oh, thing? Yeah, so yeah. I saw it, and there was a kid with like a Daniel Boone hat in it, mm, hanging yeah. out in a cabin. So I'm, I can't wait to get this. So I get, so I get this box. It looks like a, it holds like a shoe. I go, how could this be a log cabin? So I open it up. It's a tarp. It's basically a tablecloth you put over a table. Then on the outsides, it's, it's a picture of a log cabin with a little doorway. It was a, it was a piece of plastic. It was crap. I was so disappointed. Yeah, that, that whole there's a whole there's a documentary on those toys that were offered up in the back of those magazines. And, I remember uh, that. Do you remember this? Yeah, uh, do you completely remember this? rip you off. Do you, you remember know? the first, like, you know, um, electric football games where you just put those things on and just vibrates? And just fucking, <laughs> <laughs> like, you, know, you just put the people there in the football and it just vibrates around you and you don't know where anything goes. And it's like, it takes like 10 minutes for a play to develop. It was pointless. That's the guy with the but, boy. Oh, that was, it was pointlessness. It was like, oh, all right. Call this before your time. They they made these plastic or rather uh, a sheet metal thing that had a vibrating motor on the that bottom like a of it. Football field, and it looked like a football field. And you turn it on, it would rattle, and and all these little like toy soldiers that were emulated uh, players, players of the are- football. They would run down based on the vibration. And they would just vibrate and move. They vibrate they off of the damn. <laughs> I can't even explain the absurdity of it. Uh, probably like, the, probably millions like, of children were electrocuted as well as uh, underwhelmed garbage, by the experience. The garbage they to make, man. It's yeah. hilarious. Sounds like hilarious. a very fun toy. <laughs> Well, oh. it, it was high tech at the time, you know. Oh yeah, electric football. I remember it. Probably <laughs> been it been mid sixties. Electric football. So what else do what else do we ask Paul? We have one more question. So we asked him, "What is your holiday wish for the coming year?" Well, I'd love to wish all the people that I'm close with real health, real happiness, and real love, and an easy time of it. You know, an easy go of it in the next year. And I think more broadly. It would be lovely to see people come together, to see us be a bit more united than we have been as humans, and to be able to break bread together without consequence in the next year. That would be a wonderful, wonderful thing. I like Very this guy. Cool. He seems like yeah. a nice guy. You know, I, want, you know I, think, I want his wish to come true for everyone. <laughs> so do I. I think it's a great wish. I think what we should do is, right off the bat, we should like do over. The only ones who could be politicians are artists. You can't be a, you can't be a politician because they're the worst at being politicians. Term limits. Term no, limits, not even term yeah. limits. Like you want to be if you're a lawyer, forget it. You're, you're not allowed to be in politics. <laughs> if you studied politics, you, you know, you just have all artists running it, and maybe it would be a mess. It might not be as organized, but I think it would be nicer. What yeah. do you think of that? There'd be I, there'd be less uh, there'd be a lot less BS. 
Right. There'd, there'd probably be a lot of stupid stuff, you know, like, you know, we, we didn't do that. Okay. Maybe a lot of less infrastructure, maybe. But who said that? <laughs> it's funny. I saw a thing today, I'm jumping guns here. I saw a thing today where it was a 1981 interview with Steve Jobs about computers when, when wow. he just started Apple. And, and there were guys back then saying, you know, don't you think computers could be like, it has negative and positive, positive effects. Steve Jobs is so pompous and naive going, oh no, I see my kids playing with the computers and it's only going to be used for positive things and wonderful things. And, and like he was like, are you, the guy, did he really believe that? Well, yeah. I mean, that whole Pollyanna idea, the, the idea that uh, there's a con- conventional wisdom out there right now that, you know, with, with technology, the way it has developed and with AI uh, and particularly through the social networks, the danger is that technology understands us better through artificial intelligence than we understand ourselves. So you start getting this situation where governments for the first time, not through just like Marxism or capitalism or, or fascism, but through a, a unique understanding of what it's like to be human and human nature, they're actually going to start to, you know, kind of wield power based on that. And that's a pretty scary proposition because this artificial intelligence stuff works. Pull the plug. (laughs) (laughs) I think just pull Uh, the 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 plug music. I like that music. Just pull the plug. Yeah, that, that's, that's what this is like. There's someone pulling the plug out. <laughs> pull it out, you know? So we're starting the Christmas season. We are starting the Christmas season. All right. And we're going to have the bowling party this year? We are. Yeah. I think the bowling party is either next week or the week after episode. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, do you want to pull the plug on this episode? I think I think we should just <laughs> d- delete the whole thing. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. For everything that we spoke about and links to it all, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later.